Good morning. And welcome to the Church of the Palms. My name is Kyle Quattlebaum, and I serve as a shepherding deacon and as the moderator for the Wired Word small discussion group that meets after this service. Why don't you join us? This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. Thanks be to you, Lord Jesus Christ, for all benefits that you have won for us and for all the pains and insults you have borne for us. O most merciful Redeemer, friend, and brother, may we know you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly day by day. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Please stand for the call to worship. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. Let us worship God. spiritual renewal? Do you crave healing, 
for your brokenness? Are you yearning for the balm of reconciliation? It all begins with humbling ourselves before God, surrendering our wills to His and confessing our sins, confident that we belong to God as beloved children through the redemptive power of God in Jesus Christ and trusting in His abundant mercy, let us confess our sins together. Holy and merciful God, in your presence we confess our sinfulness, our shortcomings, and our offenses against you. You alone know how often we have sinned in wandering from your ways, in wasting your gifts, in forgetting your love. Have mercy on us, O Lord, for we are ashamed and sorry for all we have done to displease you. Forgive our sins and help us to live in your light and walk in your ways. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Whatever you have done, whatever you have failed to do, whoever you are, whoever you wish you were but are not, you are accepted. You are welcomed. You are washed clean. You are raised up. You are forgiven and set free. In the love of Jesus Christ, you are loved forever. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. in Jesus Christ, across the globe and down through the ages, let us state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried he descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now let us greet each other in the love of Christ.
Look at this good-looking crew up here. <laughs> Hello, everybody. It's so good to have you here this morning. And we begin today by commissioning our newest Stephen ministers. Uh, these good folks have been through 50 hours of training over the last several months, and they are now ready to embark upon a new ministry uh, called Stephen Ministry, and I always feel obliged to say that it has nothing to do with this Stephen here. <laughs> it has everything to do with uh, Stephen, one of the first deacons uh, called into ministry in the New Testament. And uh, Stephen, along with those who were called with him, were called to walk alongside of and to care for uh, fellow believers. And Stephen ministers are those who are called to be caregivers to those who are in need of companionship and concern and love and grace as they go through the difficult times of life. And these people have uh, volunteered and have chosen to be trained and to be ready to walk alongside, not to be the cure givers, right? but to be the caregivers because we believe that Jesus is the cure giver and we are instruments of God's grace. So we are delighted that you are at this point in which you are ready to be commissioned into the life of ministry as Stephen ministers. We know that God will go with you and fill you with his Holy Spirit to be the people that you need to be to walk alongside of those who need your special care. So to that end, allow me to pray a prayer of commissioning upon you. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you have called us all into the ministry of walking with you and the ministry of serving you in the world. And we thank you, O Lord, that you have called these particular people to take up this particular work of being Stephen ministers, of coming alongside those who are in need of companionship and a listening ear and a special grace as they go through the difficult times of life. And we pray, O Lord, that you will fill them with your Holy Spirit, use their gifts, open their ears and their hearts to those who come their way, and allow them to be so aware of your presence that they may be a reflection of your light and the lives of those that they, that they aim to walk alongside of. So we pray, O Lord, that you will bless them and keep them and fill them with your love and your grace, for we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. So we want you to give them a big round of applause as they come into this ministry. Their names are found on page seven in your bulletin, so uh, we encourage you after the service to greet them and to welcome them into this ministry. So many thanks, and you may be seated. So continuing on in our announcements, we are grateful to uh, have the opportunity to I invite you to be a part of our continued journey in our Lenten uh, approach to the cross of Jesus Christ and to the empty tomb. So we invite you to take a look at all the announcements that are in the bulletin. We encourage you to fill out the friendship pads, which are in the pews, and pass those along to your neighbor. And note those folks who are sitting near you. We have a blood drive today, and so if you are wondering about what can I next do to be a good disciple of Jesus, you can stop off the blood mobile and give a pint of your blood, and uh, that will be a precious gift to those who will be in need of it very, very soon. Coming this Saturday, we have our Easter egg hunt, and uh, you will want to come at least to observe and to watch this uh, army of children and their parents, uh, hopefully mostly children who are looking for the eggs, not the parents, but uh, 
come and watch this great neighborhood event. We invite everybody from around the area to come and we have lots of visitors and it's a great opportunity for us to reach out to those uh, who may not have a church home. So we hope that you'll join us for that. And then the following day on March the 25th, which is Palm Sunday, we invite you to come and celebrate it with us on Palm Sunday morning. We'll have our standard three services, but come and be a part of the great Palms processional. And what more appropriate day for us to have a grand opening for our brand new Palms Center, but on uh, Palm Sunday evening from 5.30 to 7.30, we invite you to come and be a part of this great moment in the life of our church where we'll open our doors. You'll come in, you'll have a chance to take a tour, you will have a chance to uh, be a part of our dedication service, and then you'll have a chance to participate in all sorts of activities. You'll have a chance even to watch me drain a 28-foot shot from beyond the three-point circle. <laughs> Just like what happened last night in the Michigan game. The buzzer beater onto the Sweet 16. So, but that's beside the point. So you'll, you will want to come and be a part of that great moment in the life of our church. Also, we invite you to, if you would like to dedicate flowers as we celebrate our Easter time, uh, there is uh, information in your bulletin uh, to do that as well. And we'd like to invite Bob Barson to come forward, and Bob is going to share with us a little bit about the update of our generosity campaign. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. Last month, we celebrated generosity here at Church of the Palms, and what a celebration it was. Food, fun, and friendship. I hope you had a chance to dip something in that overflowing chocolate fountain. Because of the timing of the stewardship campaign and the Easter holiday, this is an early update than I normally give. But I wanted to let you know where we stand before many of you head out for the summer. Three data points do not accurately tell a story, or at least I hope so. As I've mentioned in the last several years, like most churches in America, the number and amount pledged has been declining. Fortunately, due to the non-pledged income that we receive here at this church, we are actually able to exceed our expectations and grow giving by 2% last year. This year, despite our efforts to encourage increased participation, we are seeing the continuation of the decline in the number and the amount pledged. This period of significant receipts actually spans about seven weeks, so we still have a ways to go. Your generosity team will be working with uh, those of you who have pledged in the past but not have pledged yet this year and hope that you will do so. Next month, we'll have a higher confidence in the number and amount pledged, and the administration and finance team will work with the staff to align our expectations. If you have not yet pledged and intend to do so, I encourage you to complete a pledge card that's in the pew rack and in the offering plate and bring it to the church office. For those of you who give electronically through your bank or broker, including those of you who have already completed your 2018 giving, I want to call your attention to the I Give Online card in the pew rack. Presenting our tithes and offerings on Sunday morning is a time to reflect on what God has given us and what we can give back to Him. You may use the I Give Online card for a moment of reflection and then put it in the offering plate. These cards will be recycled and be available next week. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. We hope that you will join us in our generosity 
season as we look forward to what we can be doing in 2018. I'd like to invite our newest members to come forward to be received into the life of our church. These good folks have uh, appeared at a new members class over the last couple of months and they have uh, heard about our life here at Church of the Palms and our mission to love God and love neighbor and we are delighted to have them uh, before us this morning and there will be some who will be received in other, um, in other worship services. So if you look at the flyer that's in your bulletin, you'll see their pictures and names and as I call your name, if you wouldn't mind just raising your good hand and that way we'll put face and name together. Elizabeth Dexter and Robert and Cheryl Evans and William Friedel and Al and Gloria Knox over there. There's Al here, Gloria's over there. And uh, the others, as I said, will be received in other services. Would you welcome these good people into the life of our church? Come back and look at me if you don't mind. I would mind if I were you. We uh, know that you have answered these questions already before our session, our elders, but we would like to ask them uh, to you today so that you can publicly profess your faith in Jesus Christ. Who is your Lord? Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Do you trust in him? Do you intend to be his disciple, to obey his word, and to show his love? And will you be a faithful member of this congregation, giving of yourself in every way? And will you seek the fellowship of the church wherever you may be? Yes. By your answering those questions, you have publicly confessed your faith in Jesus Christ, and you join us in our mission of loving God and loving neighbor. And we look forward to rubbing shoulders with you as we carry out this good work of being Christ's light in the world. So to that end, allow me to pray for you. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks that you love us and that you're, you are the one who has beckoned us into a relationship with you. And we thank you, O oh Lord, for those moments in our life when we said yes, when we said yes to your grace, when we said yes to your love, when we said yes to your mercy. We thank you, O oh Lord, for those moments when we allowed ourselves to be engulfed by the love and compassion of the body of Christ, for that moment when we were baptized, that moment when we were held in our parents' arms and in the arms of a pastor and showered with your grace. And we thank you, O oh Lord, that along the way there have been those people in our lives who have walked with us and encouraged us and shined the light of Christ upon us. We thank you, O Lord, for those moments when we reaffirmed our faith and became a part of a new fellowship of believers. And we're grateful for the moment today when these good people have come before you again and have decided once again to connect with a congregation and to carry on your mission of the kingdom of heaven. And we ask, O Lord, that you will now fill these good people with your Holy Spirit and that you will show to them how they can best use their gifts and that you will help us as a church to be that body of Christ in the world and that we truly might be that army of grace and compassion, that the world may see that there is another way other than the way of division and hatred and, and the, the, just the, the ability not to carry out your kingdom. So we ask, O oh Lord, that you will allow us to be that 
body of people in your world and that you may see in us our effort to share your light and your love and your grace. Lord, we pray that we may bring about a new kingdom in this world and the world may see through what we do that there is a God who so loved the world that he gave his only son. So bless us and keep us, O Lord, and allow us to be your people. For we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us all to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Welcome these people again into our life. And let us continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes and gifts and offerings.
Let us pray. We do love you, O God, and we love our neighbors. Accept these our token of love and gratitude in offering, so that all our neighbors near and far in the whole world may come to know your love and love you as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated as the children come forward for a special time. Once here already? That's very good. You're allowed to run just this time in worship. Come on. As you come over here, I, those of you who are already here, I want to ask you, did you eat breakfast today? Nope. You didn't eat breakfast? <gasps> That's not good. How about the rest of you? Raise your hand if you ate breakfast. Good. Yesterday was a very special day in all parts of the world. I think it is all part of the world. What was it? Does anybody know? It was St. Patrick's, Saint Patrick's Saint, Day. It was St. Patrick's Day. How about you? Did you raise your hand? Maddie? St. Patrick's Day. How many of you agree? It is St. Patrick's Day. Do you know who St. Patrick was? Do you think he was alive at some point? Yeah. He was 1,600 years ago, 1,600 years ago. It was a guy named Patrick. And so he was stolen by Irish pirates, believe it or not. Actually, he was an English boy. This is what he looked like when he was a lot older and he became a bishop. So then, anyways, he was sold to become a shepherd boy and he became a shepherd and then he worked in Ireland for six years and then he went home, went to school in France. We have a lot, little time, so I'll run through it for you. So then, and then he went back to Ireland because he loved Ireland, people in Ireland, the Irish people. He wanted to tell them how much God loves them. So he went back to Ireland to tell them God's love for them. That, you know, God forgive and God loves and God always accepts all of us. That's what he did for, oh, almost 70 years. And then he ended up becoming a bishop in a very old city called Alma. Believe it or not, I was there two years ago to study all about St. Patrick. Um, have you noticed what this is? What is it? Clover. Clover? Yes, everybody agrees it's clover. What does this have to do with St. Patrick's Day, do you know? Tell me. It, I don't know. You don't know? <laughs> How about you? People use this for St. Patrick's Day, don't they? They kind of have pendants and things like that with this clover, but it's actually really very, very, Tatum, come up here and hold this for me, please. It's very important showing this to the, you, your friends here, hold this like this. Do you see there is one clove, that one part of the leaf? Well, St. Patrick used this to explain about God to the Irish people. God the Father, Jesus the Son, and Holy Spirit the Sustainer. So that's why this is a part of St. Patrick's Day nowadays and might always be. So he explained the trinity of the God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Every time you see this kind of leaf, whether it's real or it's a pin or a keychain or anything, 
Do you think you can remember about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Oh, that would be really good. Thank you. Let us pray. Repeat after me, please. Dear God, Thank you for loving us all the time. Help us to know how to love you back. And teach us how to love one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now you can follow Miss Carol to children's worship. Thank you. I'm going to have to ask Pastor Mingi what happens when you find a four-leaf clover, but we won't go there. So, <laughs> guess that's the luck of the Irish, right? Um, so, as I mentioned, we're looking forward to moving into the Palm Center next week, or at least having our grand opening there next Sunday, and many of you have uh, responded to our challenge to, uh, to accelerate your payments to the Open Palms campaign or perhaps even to pay off your pledge so that we can delay our having to go to the bank for some uh, construction loan financing. And uh, I'm happy to announce that the foundation has responded to the challenge and our foundation has agreed to complete their pledge uh, early uh, this month so they have contributed another $220,000 uh, to our campaign, and that's very, very good news. And they hope that re encourages the rest of you, if you're able, to uh, complete your pledge so that we can, um, as I said, delay our uh, going to the bank and incurring uh, interest charges. So we are grateful for that opportunity, and we look forward to the opportunity to celebrate next Sunday. 
We are in this series of uh, what happens when life pushes back, and we today are going to be taking a look at what happens when the world pushes back on God. Uh, we uh, see that certainly many chapters of that in the life of the people of Israel, God getting the pushback by his people. And so today we're going to look at that theme through two texts, first in Isaiah chapter 65 and then later in the Gospel of John. So hear the word of God as it comes to us first from Isaiah 65. I was ready to be sought out by those who did not ask, to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that did not call on my name. I held up my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices, a people who provoked me to my face continually, sacrificing in gardens and offering incense on bricks, who sit inside tombs and spend the night in secret places, who eat swine's flesh with broth of abominable things in their vessels, who say, keep to yourself, do not come near me, for I am too holy holy for you. These are a smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all day long. And then from the Gospel of John, the 19th chapter, beginning at the first verse. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged, and the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they dressed him in a purple robe, and they kept coming up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and striking him on the face. And Pilate went out again and said to them, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no case against him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Here is the man. When the chief priests and the police saw him, they shouted, Crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no case against him. And the Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he's claimed to be the Son of God. Now when Pilate heard this, he was more afraid than ever, and he entered the headquarters again and asked Jesus, Where are you from? And Jesus gave him no answer. And Pilate therefore said to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Do you not know that I have power to release you and power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you would, have me, you would have no power over me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are no friend of the emperor. Everyone who claims to be a king sets himself against the emperor. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside and sat on the judge's bench, a place called the Stone Pavement, or in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now, it was the day of preparation for the Passover, and it was about noon, and he said to the Jews, Here is your king. And they cried out, Away with him! Away with him, crucify him. And Pilate asked them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest answered, We have no king but the emperor. And then he handed him over to them to be crucified. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. We praise you, O Lord, that though we push back, you are the unrelenting God who seeks to find a way to embrace us again and to love us and to shower your grace upon us. 
So allow these words to come to point to the word just read into the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. So a guy walks into a bar with his dog. Takes a seat at the bar and the dog jumps onto the stool next to him. He says to the bartender, I'd like a scotch on the rocks and my dog here will have a beer. The bartender says, hey buddy, we don't serve dogs here. Guy says, no, you don't understand. This is a special dog. The bartender says, what do you mean? He says, no, this is a special dog. My dog talks. He said, no, your dog doesn't talk. No, 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 my dog talks. Watch, Fido, he says, let me ask you a question. What's that long, tall grass alongside a fairway at a golf course? And Fido goes, rough. <laughs> says, okay, Fido, he says, what's that big thing that sits on top of a house? Fido goes, roof. <laughs> he says, okay, Fido, he says, uh, um, what's, uh, who's the greatest baseball player of all time? Fido goes, Ruth. The bartender looks at the guy and says, you know, this is the lamest thing I have ever seen. He says, your dog doesn't talk, and out you go. And he grabs the guy and the dog, he throws him out into the street. They go rolling over to the curb, and the dog goes over to the master, and he says, you think I should have shed DiMaggio? <laughs> now, I must confess to you that there is next to no redeeming value to that story. In fact, the only redeeming value to that story is that it made some of you laugh. You laughed, you chuckled, you snickered, and according to a growing amount of medical studies, those seconds in which, we, which some of you laughed in that moment repositioned the chemicals in your body and a little bit to relieve a little bit of your stress, set off a certain amount of endorphins and stimulated some of your life essential organs. Just that little bit of laughter. In his book, Anatomy of an Illness, Norman Cousins told the story of when he was diagnosed with a crippling illness, he decided to treat the illness with laughter. So he arranged to have a bunch of Laurel and Hardy and candid camera films shipped to his house, and he watched them over and over and over again, and he laughed and he laughed and he laughed, and he got eventually better. There is something intrinsic within our being, within our reality, that bends toward joy, goodness, and health. Like the three guys who went to the diner and the waitress came up and asked them what they wanted, and the first guy said, I want a cup of coffee, but make sure it's hot. I like my coffee hot. Second guy said, I want a cup of coffee, but make sure you put in two sugars. I like two sugars. The third guy said, I want a cup of coffee, but make sure it's a clean cup. I like a clean cup. So the waitress left, came back a couple minutes later and said, okay, now who gets the clean cup? <laughs> now I detected fewer of you laughed at that joke than the last one. So I will stop with the jokes, but I won't stop with wondering about what lies behind the veneer of your life and mine and whether or not we are embracing or accepting life for what it was always meant to be. Is there something intrinsic within our being, within our reality that bends toward joy, bends toward goodness, bends toward health? We were created for something that maybe we have yet to claim. 
Because you know at the beginning of the whole story, you have this wonderful picture of the creator who appears before there is anything else in the beginning when God created and we hear about the light that peels through the darkness. We hear about the formation of the deep blue sea. We hear about the sun and the moon and the stars. We hear about the plants and the flowers. We hear about the animals and the fish and the birds of the air. We hear about human beings being created in the image of God. There is this incredible kaleidoscope of creation emanating from the palate of God, and it ends up with Adam and Eve in the garden, this beautiful garden called Eden, and the Genesis writer tells us that God called all of it very good. And then he tells us that God took a rest and then afterwards decided when the sun started going down to take a walk in the garden. The garden was was filled with this nice cool breeze. It was getting toward evening and God decided to take a walk in the garden and he wants to take a walk in the cool of the garden because he knows that's where Adam and Eve are and he wants to take a walk to be with his friends, his new friends. Maybe, maybe God has a story for them. Maybe God's got a really good joke. And, and because he's God, it's a really good joke a side-splitting, tears-in-your-eyes kind of joke. Maybe God wants to make his children laugh, hilariously laugh. Oh, wait till Adam and Eve hear this one, he says to the heavenly host. Oh, this will really get them going. Something to give them pleasure and joy. Something to get those endorphins going because there's nothing better for you than to get those endorphins going. So imagine God's surprise as he's making his way through the garden in the cool of the evening that instead of his new friends rushing up to hear his latest joke, Adam and Eve are huddled behind some shrubs and they're hoping God won't find them. Hoping that God will pass them by without them being seen. Imagine God's surprise when he sees these four beady eyes peering out from the forsythia and God says, what are you doing there? And Adam and Eve say, we are afraid. We are afraid of you. Imagine the complete and utter divine shock. We are afraid of you. God gets the big pushback. What happened to smelling the roses? What happened to the evening stroll? What happened to those big belly laughs? We are afraid of you. We are anxious, we are ashamed, we are stressed, we are busy, we are worried, we are lonely. Imagine this huge disconnect. But, but, but God says, what about the kaleidoscope? What about the, the palette of colors? What about the cool breeze? What about the juicy oranges? What about the sandhill cranes? What about the making love? What about the punchlines? What about all these wonderful things I want to give you, this goodness, this health, this joy, this love? That's how you're wired, God says. And from there, it just kind of goes downhill. Things go from bad to worse. No more garden, no more jokes, no more laughing. Instead, you get Cain and Abel. You get 40 days of rain. You get bondage in Egypt. You get wars and rumors of wars. And along the way, God says to his children, who had long since plowed under the garden and put up a parking lot. 
God says to his children through the words of Isaiah, I was ready to be sought out by those who did not ask. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am to a people who did not call on my name. Oh, I had this really, really, really good joke. But nobody wanted to hear it. And then before all was lost, angels appear and the heavenly hosts sing and a baby is born in Bethlehem. God has come back to claim his garden. God takes a stroll through the dusty trails of Palestine and he walks from town to town and he says, come on, come on, let's play. Everybody, come on, let's play, come on. I've got some good stories for you, good punchlines and you'll laugh and you'll love and you won't worry what people look like or what people act like because the whole point is to enjoy life and you'll be healed and you will help people and you will feed people and you will comfort people and, and no one will have to be lonely or anxious or stressed or angry or judgmental. I mean, what's not to like about that, right? What's not to like? Apparently, a great deal. Because we just got through reading the story about this baby in Bethlehem, now become a man, now become the good shepherd, now become the grand comedian, whipped in scorn, impressed upon with a crown of thorns, examined and cross-examined by the powers that be and condemned to death, and they're laughing, but it's not one of those endorphin laughs, it's one of those sinister laughs, it's one of those evil laughs, and they say to him, we don't want your kind, we don't want your kind, we, we don't want what you have to sell. Not the way the world works, Jesus. We want our stress. We want our condescension. We want our alienation. We want our anxiety, our division, our segregation, our violence. It's just the way the world's going to be, and don't you try to change us. Don't tell us one of your corny jokes. Don't try to get us to laugh. Now, it would take about a hundred sermons to try to explain how on earth we human beings could get ourselves into such a place where we get so afraid, so anxious, so suspicious of this garden-walking God, so this side-splitting, punchline God, but suffice it to say that it hasn't got much better since Jesus stood before Pilate. We live in this crazy, upside-down world where the one who loves us most is the one we hide from. The one who can't wait to embrace us is the one we flee from. When someone says religion, we think dry, dusty, irrelevant, boring, downer. When someone says church, we think dry, dusty, boring, downer. When someone says Jesus, we think dry, dusty, judgmental, boring, killjoy, downer. So when C.S. Lewis says that joy is the serious business of heaven, we may find that hard to believe. So stressed are we, so anxious are we, so afraid are we, so lonely are we, so sad are we, that somehow we've backed ourselves into a corner that makes us think that that's just the way the world has to be. 
but nothing could be further from the truth. Remember when Jesus is having dinner and a, and a woman comes in and she's got this really, really expensive jar of perfume and it's so sweet and it smells so luscious and it's, she decides she's going to take that jar of perfume and she's going, to, she's going to pour it all over Jesus' head and his feet and she's going to wipe them with her hair. And, and it's so beautiful and it is so lovely and it is so joyful. And, and, and somehow the folks nearby get so stressed and so anxious and so afraid and get so huffy and and they say, she's got no business being so extravagant. And Jesus says, what the heck are you talking about? She's the only one that gets the joke. Life is to be loved. Life is to be enjoyed. Life is this extravagant thing to be seized. And he tells a story about the father who throws the party for the lost son and the band's going and the fatted calf is being served and the wine is pouring and the folks are dancing the cha-cha slide and there's the older brother out there stewing, stressed, anxious, angry, and he doesn't get what this religion is about, this extravagant feast. And the father says, come on in, come on in, grab a glass, grab a chicken leg. And did I tell you the joke about the three lawyers? <laughs> Gerard Manley Hopkins in his poem, As Kingfishers Catch Fire, includes the line, Christ plays in 10,000 places. Christ plays in 10,000 places. Christ plays. Can you imagine that? Christ plays. He plays now. He plays in us. He plays with us. Wishes to give us joy. Wishes to show us the kingfishers catching fire with their kaleidoscope of color. Wishes to show us sandhill cranes walking straight, stately across the field. Wishing to show us two 80-year-olds holding hands. Wishes to show us the little child gathering a fistful of daisies. Wishes to show us the best friend who's visiting his best friend in the hospital room. Wishes to show us the family out for the family picnic. Wishes to show us the 75-year-old teaching a 15-year-old long arithmetic wishes to show us the sandy beach and the pink horizon. Oh, so much to show us. If we would just listen. It was the great British apologist G.K. Chesterton who said once, is it possible that God says every morning to the sun, do it again? And every evening to the moon, do it again. And it may be that God makes every daisy separately because he's never gotten tired of making them. It may be that God has the eternal appetite of infancy for we have sinned, Chesterton writes, we have sinned and grown old and our father is younger than we. Christ plays in 10,000 places. Joy is the serious business of heaven. The father strolls in the cool of the evening's garden. And what do we see? It makes me think of a time years ago when I was paying a pastoral visit to a parishioner. And I went up to the front porch and rang the doorbell and there was no answer. I rang the doorbell again, no answer. So I went around to the backyard and I saw Linda, the person I had come to visit, and she was in the back of the backyard and she was kneeling and doing some gardening. And next to Linda was her German shepherd, Duke. Now, I had never seen or met Duke before, 
But when I stepped into the backyard, Duke heard and saw me, and Duke began to charge, running right for me. And I thought, oh dear. <laughs> Charging German shepherds, not usually a good thing. And Duke was charging fast enough that I didn't have the chance to make up my mind to run, scream, cry, or wet my pants. <laughs> oh, Lord, please protect me, is the prayer I imagine I prayed as I saw Duke advance. And within about three feet of me, stop, jump, wrap his legs around my shoulders, and with jaws wide open, proceeded to smother me with licks. <laughs> Duke had come to lick me to death. Actually, he licked me to life, for I, never, for I have passed, never have passed so quickly from fear to joy. It was like a resurrection. As anxious and as fearful and as worrisome and as stressful and as aggravating, aggra aggravating as we might want to make out this good old world and this good old life, is it possible that we are the ones who have grown old and our Father is the one who wants to play? For joy is the serious business of heaven and Christ plays in 10,000 places. The Lord strolls in the cool of the evening and every day, another punchline.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.